This show is presented by the 323 Network. You can watch all your favorite 323 friends and shows on the 323 Network YouTube channel. Follow us on all social media platforms at 323read. And support us as we continue to grow at patreon.com slash 323read. That's 323-R-E-I-D. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 323. I am your host, Reed Murphy. I'm really happy for you. I'm going to let you finish. Who the fuck is that guy? Look at the show. I'm the company. Welcome to the fucking show. Fuck Scott. That's right, folks. We are back for another installment of College Shame Day. I'm not by myself today. This is great. I guess I still got my permit going on, so Daddy Reed is in the passenger seat making sure that I don't crash this car into the into the bushes. How's it going, Dad? Oh, I'm doing okay. You're it's just doing okay? You, son. Yeah, it's good to see you holding down the fort, holding down the thing. I'm so relaxed right now. I can just eat a plate of macaroni and cheese and chill. Well, you know what? You bring up a really good point there uh, because for those of you who don't know, a little peek behind the production curtain. It is currently August 28th. Yesterday was August 27th. I got to see Reed live in person for a little bit for a little bit of a fantasy football draft shindig. But that wasn't the only thing that we were celebrating yesterday. Reed, we were celebrating your birthday yesterday. So happy birthday again to you. Felicianos. Man, man, it's just a, a great time to celebrate. You can sit down with have a nice meal. You get to have the macaroni and cheese again. It's good. Reed, did you hear that? I did hear that. I think we have someone at the door. Who could it be? It's multi-platinum recording artist Beyonce here to wish you a happy birthday. What? Oh, sing it, B. Happy Oh, this is beautiful. Happy birthday to you. I don't know if she knows my name. Good. Look at that. What a great Thank birthday you. present for you, Reed. That's Thank great. You, Queen. I'm so glad she remembered. I, I am too. I, she was almost as good as that random white guy on uh, YouTube. Hey, that easy. She... <laughs> <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, Reed, happy birthday again. The the heart and soul behind the 323 network and the one who's given, you know, a white guy a platform and a mic to, <laughs> to do something with. This is just great. Um, but no, going into this week, I really wanted to try to figure out what I wanted to do because we just had the week zero games. And of course, those went exactly the ways that we thought they were going to go. Navy got completely blown out by Notre Dame and Ireland 42 to three. And then USC had a little bit of a scare. I don't know if you caught that yesterday, but it was close going into the second half. But they eventually turned it around and beat San Jose State 56 to 28. Caleb Williams looked a little a little banged up there for a little bit, but. That's really nothing really to note. 
So when I sat back and I was kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to do this week going into week one, I was like, you know what? Reed has always asked me, Scott, I need to learn more about college football. I want to know it. I want to know more. So I was like, you know, this is a really good teaching moment to go with over with Reed. So um, sat down at the computer for hours and hours on end and actually went and deep dove into every single college football game of the year and made my predictions for everything. And folks, when I say everything, I mean, I, I mean everything. I showed Reed this and he was very shocked that the amount of time and effort that I put into this was there. So, hey, it is what it is. But no, I want to roll into it, just kind of go conference by conference, starting with the ACC. And then we'll kind of go into some more postseason predictions as well. And there's no better way to start than the ACC. It's, it's, it's common knowledge this that I am a Florida State fanatic. And I really had to kind of well kind of my my fandom and then like the seriousness to, to the predictions and all that kind of fun stuff. But with that being said, Florida State I still have coming up on top of the ACC, finishing the season eleven and one. Got some really great key additions getting transferred in. Central Cypress from UVA, Jaheim Bell, tight end from South Carolina. Keon Coleman, the stud wide receiver out of Michigan State. And then some some smaller name players you might not know. Braden Fisk from Western Michigan. Reed, can you name any player that ever played for Western Michigan? Um Chuck Chuckersley. Yeah. I I I can't I can't fact check you right now, but that does sound like a very Western Michigan name. And then the round out, they got offensive tackle Jeremiah Byers from UTEP, who is one of the top transfers this past offseason. And then Doubling up with Jaheim Bell, you got another tight end and Kyler Morlock from Shorter University. I didn't even know there was a university called Shorter University. Is there a rival taller? I don't know, but shout out to the Short Kings. <laughs> Griffin, I'm looking at you. <laughs> that has to be their mascot, the Short Kings. <laughs> it's just short. I, I feel, I know it. If that's if that's true, then I'm going to be very, very offended. No, and then, you know, a couple players to watch going into the season. Of course, you got Jordan Travis. We kind of talked about him last week. Heisman hopeful. Looks to be an NFL candidate. Last year, he had played in 13 games, threw for 3,200 yards, 24 touchdowns, and five picks. But on the other side of the ball is a big name, Jared Verse. Reed, I don't know if you ever heard his name in college football conversations before. I remember before, I think it was before last draft, it was talk of him possibly entering the draft and being like one of the, he would be, he would have been like one of the top tier edge rushers. Right. Yeah, no, he was coming out of last year. He had an injury last year. He didn't get to play as much as he really wanted to, but, I mean, he still had really great production, 48 total tackles, 17 for loss, nine sacks. He was still going to be projected into that top 10 kind of realm in last year's draft, but he decided to come back and run it back one more year. He's still projected to go very, very high in the draft at this point, especially with how much love that these edge rushers have been getting over the last couple of years in the NFL. Um, but a couple key games to note for Florida State going into the season. And of course, the first one's the game of the week that I had from last week. It's the at home, quote unquote, in Orlando against LSU. And just so that way I'm not showing total uh, Florida State bias, I'm actually picking LSU to win that game. But after that, you got week four at Clemson on the road. That's going to be another drawn out battle, you know, trying to get over that hump of Clemson. Week 11. Miami, have them at home. I think with those late games, especially versus a, an ACC 
opponent like Miami, you don't want to get caught with your pants down kind of a situation because you start getting comfortable, especially to go on the run like I'm kind of projecting to go at this point. Don't want anything bad happening that the wheels come off at the end of the season. And especially week 13, big rivalry game at Florida and Gainesville. Like I said, it's a big momentum game. Last game of the season. You don't want to drop that one last second and try to get right at the going into the potential conference championship with Clemson. Moving on for the Big Ten. Got Michigan coming out. Perfect 12-0. and 0. I mean, you look at the firepower in the Big Ten. You got Ohio State, you got Penn State, Michigan State, Wisconsin, and Iowa. I mean, there's a good six teams in there that could easily make a run this year for that Big Ten championship. Of course, Big Ten has, or of course, Michigan has some other issues going on right now, especially around Jim Harbaugh, who's out for the first three games. I mean, they're at home. They're not versus anybody. They're versus East Carolina, UNLV, and Bowling Green. I really don't see them having that big of an issue, but you're at, you're without. Last year, they had backup quarterback Kay McNamara, who now transferred to Iowa. But, I mean, you're bringing in linebackers, Ernest Hausman from Nebraska, from the big from the, another Big Ten school, and then you get Edge Josiah Stewart from Coastal Carolina, Miles Hinton, Drake Nugent, and Ladarius Henderson all coming in to shore up that offensive line. I mean, that's really, really great players, two of which from Stanford. I guess everyone from Stanford's kind of figuring that's a sinking ship and they want to get out before anything gets any worse. But two big names, especially going from last year, you got running back Blake Corum, end of the season late with an any injuries, looking to bounce back after last year's 12-game stint, 1,400 yards and 18 rushing touchdowns. That's huge production, especially in the Big Ten. He's another one of those NFL candidates that look to kind of come in, but... This is side conversation breed that we've had with the running back market in the NFL. Who knows what's going to end up happening from here on out. And then, of course, J.J. McCarthy, the quarterback, threw 14 games last year, threw for 2,700 yards, 22 touchdowns, and five picks. But for them, really the two biggest games of the year, Week 11 at Penn State and then Week 13 at home against Ohio State. Those two games are going to play really big roles into how that especially the East division in the Big Ten kind of pans out going into that championship weekend. Big 12 got Texas winning it on their last season going to the SEC next year with Oklahoma. I think they're kind of trying to try to go out with a bang, especially trying to course correct after, you know, what would be an underwhelming and lackluster eight and five last year. Try to hope Steve Sarkeesian can actually get the Texas hope helpful kind of riding a high going into competing with the SEC exclusively next year. No real big changes. I mean, they did grab uh, a Donnie Mitchell, wide receiver from Georgia. They got a safety, Jalen Catalan uh, from Arkansas, and then a cornerback, Gavin Holmes from Wake Forest that were of note. So hopefully that should help, especially in the past defense, getting those two guys back there and getting another weapon on offense. But really, my biggest question mark for Texas is in the running back. You know, you have uh, Bijan Robinson gone. You got Roshan Johnson gone, both in the NFL. So who's the next man up? I mean, Jonathan Brooks has been showing really, really great flashes in workouts this year. I mean, the two words that I saw being linked to him are explosive and efficient. And Reed, I don't know if you can think of any better words that you would want out of a running back than explosive and efficient. No better words that you would want out of a running back and not really something you'd want to hear about yourself in, you know, <laughs> bed or whatever. <laughs> No, I mean, he he's definitely a player to watch. I mean, last year, he only had rushed 30 times, 
barely 200 yards. We got five touchdowns, so you know you get he has got some goal line work. But I'm actually really back. excited to see, say it one more time. Let's just say I take it back. Explosive and efficient is maybe something you want to hear about yourself in bed. <laughs> we'll we'll put that on a poll somewhere down the line. But no, I, I, another player really to watch for Texas is five-star recruit from this recent 2023 class, linebacker Anthony Hill Jr. I mean, talk about a monster. 6'3", 335. And just runs like... Runs like someone stole his lunch money. And I just... It's it's wild. I was actually watching some of their um, their summer camp. And yeah, he was all over the field. Really great sideline to sideline speed. So that's one player to watch for the next couple of years. But really for them, the biggest key games are going to be week two against, a, I guess, a softer Alabama team this year. But you're in Alabama. I would say it's more of a no-brainer if they're actually in Texas at a home game. But when you're going on the road against Nick Saban and team, it's still kind of really, really iffy. But I'm still giving them the edge. And then, of course, week six at Oklahoma for the Red River rivalry. Say that three times fast. I got it on my first take, so I will not attempt it again. <laughs> but either way, I mean, Texas definitely owns OU in that re- in that rivalry right now. 63-50-5. and five. One of those storied rivalry games that I'm glad that they're still going to be able to take when they go to the SEC next year. And then rounding out week 13, Texas Tech. Have them at home. Last year, they got embarrassed by Texas Tech in the over, in over an overtime loss, 37-34. to 34. So hopefully, Steve Sarkeesian can uh, get something going and get some, get some payback from Texas Tech, especially going that being the last game of the regular season. Reed, you keeping up? It's a lot of info. I'm keeping up. I get, I'm also, just to roll back a little bit, I found Western Michigan University alumni, and it's surprisingly stacked. Oh, man. Unfortunately, I'm sorry. Greg Jennings it's is okay. in there. Greg Jennings went there? Greg Jennings, Luther Vandross, oh. Terry Crews, well, Tim Allen. Wow. John Saunders, Shout out to Luther. Bruce Campbell. Wow. I guess we're just all sleeping on Western Michigan at this point. We really are. It's a it's a, a little bit of a powerhouse. Maverick Carter. Huh. Wow. Well, now I'm going to have to take a deeper dive into that one. I also got caught up a little bit when you said softer Alabama team. How much softer is this Alabama team? It's There's a lot of question marks right now. Like I said, you're losing Bryce Young, who is arguably the best quarterback that school has ever had, and you're going into a season with a lot of question marks at quarterback. You know, the defense is kind of taking a little bit of a dip, and then you have these SEC powerhouses really on the upturn you got lsu who's going to do a lot of damage this year you got georgia who even with their baby bottom soft schedule this year still are gonna be prominent figures in the sec and then you got these sneaky teams like tennessee and kentucky i mean even with as much shade that i can throw florida i mean they got you got cajun willie taggart at the helm down there so who knows they might be able to squeeze out a couple little little upsets but no i think i think the college football universe is finally starting to catch up to Nick Saban, especially with all these NIL deals and different recruiting tricks you can do now. And all these kids aren't really worried about legacy of the school they're going to and coaches specifically who have been doing it forever. They want to go to the best place they can either a make money, b best shot to go to the NFL or both. 
And Alabama's not really the only school that can do that for you nowadays. So, but since we're on Alabama talk and we were just talking about Georgia, of course, I got Georgia going 12 and 0 with their soft schedule going into this. I mean, look at this. You got UT Martin, Ball State, South Carolina is definitely a game to watch. Spencer Rattler and little baby Beeman, Beamer uh, coaching down there. But then you follow it up with UAB. You're on the road at Auburn, which can be scary, but I don't, I don't have a lot of hope for Auburn this year. You're at home against Kentucky, on the road against, against Vanderbilt, then Florida, Missouri, Ole Miss, Tennessee, and Georgia Tech. I mean, really, the, the biggest games that I have for them is week five at Auburn, week six at home against Kentucky, and then 12 at Tennessee. Other than that, there's I don't really see a huge issue for them. You know, for them, their biggest things right now is you got Carson Beck coming and filling the shoes of Stetson Bennett, who just left for the NFL, who's been lightening up in L.A. So I think a lot of the success for Georgia relies on his shoulders. But then you got to remember the kind of weapon that they have in, in Brock Bowers, who's a generational talent, a tight end. 6'4", 230, led the team in receiving the last two seasons. Fresh, both 15 games, freshman year, 880 yards for 13 touchdowns. And then last season, 940 yards for seven touchdowns. And he doesn't seem to be slowing down. But, but they're not really one team. They're not a school that really goes after this transfer portal because they're able to get so many great recruits. I mean, they had four or five-star recruits coming in this current season. Five-star D-lineman Jordan Hall, who's nationally ranked 12, second his second at his position. Raylan Wilson, a linebacker, who is ranked 21st nationally, but second at his position. A.J. Harris, a cornerback, na ranked nationally 27, second at his position. And then Jonel Aguero, a safety, ranked 29th overall over the nation and second at his position. So they're bringing plenty of stud kids who are just reloading the cannons at this point. And that's why I think they're able to kind of hold off Alabama because they are able to get a lot of these great recruits coming in. And then the, the conference, that, aside from the ACC, that I'm actually really excited to watch, especially with the turmoil going right now, is the Pac-12. This graphic is going to look, for those at home right now, or who, those who are just listening and aren't able to watch this, of course, I've been showing all these graphics of the conferences and the schedules. For those who actually see this, half these teams, or actually three-quarters of these teams are going to be gone by the end of this year. You get UCLA leaving, UC, uh, USC, Utah, Colorado, Oregon, Washington, Arizona State, and Arizona leaving. So this is going to look vastly different next year if there is an graphic for the Pac-12, but... No, I think the USC is going to try to go out with a bang. I mean, 11-1 and one last year. They dropped the Pac-12 championship to Utah, and then they followed up with another drop in the Cotton Bowl against Tulane, which I don't think anybody saw that coming. I don't know, Reed, if you ever saw that coming. I did not see that coming. No. I mean, and, and during the offseason, they had 15 total transfers. All but six were four-star recruits who can make an impact immediately. And they were actually ranked number four on the uh, the transfer rating behind Colorado in primetime, LSU, and Ole Miss. So they're still being able to attract a lot of kids. I think that it's a tip of the cap to Lincoln Riley out in Southern Los in Southern California, still being able to get in these kids. And of course, one name that everybody knows when you talk about USC football this year, it's Caleb Williams. Last year's Heisman winner. He's a front runner for this year in 2023. Just talk about Lincoln Riley, who's the quarterback whisperer, because he's gotten Caleb Williams a Heisman, he's got Baker Mayfield a Heisman at Oklahoma, he got Kyler Murray a Heisman in Oklahoma. 
So a lot of these quarterbacks coming out of high school are wanting to go play for him because it's all but damn a guarantee at this point. If you go play for Lincoln Riley's offense, you're going to get one. I mean, talk about his stats alone last year. 14 games, 4,500 yards, 42 touchdowns, and five picks. I can't think of a, a better way to really boost your resume going into draft day than stuff like that. I mean, he's obviously going to be a top five, top three, potentially top number one overall pick if the Cardinals are keep tanking like they've been doing right now. But really for them, a couple key games. One's a really sneaky one. I don't think, Reed, you would have expected me to say this, but week six at Colorado in prime time. I was just about, when I looked at it, the first glance I was th trying to think, you know, Colorado, I bet, is the one that he's going to go with as the sneaky. I mean, it shouldn't really be a problem, but I mean, they kind of, like I said, this first game with San Jose State, they were, it took them a little bit to kind of catch fire in that second half. But I mean, you're going to Boulder. It's prime time. All the lights are going to be there. USC, I mean, I can't think of a, a, a bigger win that prime time that Deion Sanders would want to have than at home against USC. So I feel that game alone, if they're able to actually pull away with a win against Lincoln Riley at that point, that's going to make a lot of people quiet that watch college football. And then following that, of course, it's the the annual Notre Dame game. It's one of those another one of those storied rivalries. They're going to be playing in Notre Dame, and then Week 12 at Oregon. That game alone could make the difference between who's playing for that championship and who's not. But I still have USC going to perfect 12 and 0. Those are all my conference. Rest in peace season for the Pac-12. Rest, uh, rest in pieces. They are just, and there's there's day to day it like changes. Like there's some days where they start. I get reports that like they're looking to actually merge with the Mountain West, and then there's other reports where they're trying to actually entice teams from the Mountain West and the AAC. But this it's not going to end anytime soon with this Pac-12 debacle at all. But no, and then. Something else that we had kind of talked about kind of briefly last last week were the AP poll. The first preseason AP poll went through that kind of in length, what I liked, what I didn't like. Of course, SEC had six total teams. The Pac-10 and 12 both had five. Big The Big 12 had four. And then ACC had a lowly little three teams in the top 25. But there's no surprise there. Reed, I got a couple of fun stats for you, though, with, the, uh, with these rankings. Hit you ready? Me. Yes. Would you believe that since the college football playoff inception, only two teams ranked number one that actually missed out at the end of the year? It's 2017's Ohio State, and then Alabama last year came in ranked number one overall. Interesting. I didn't realize but, Alabama was ranked number one last year. Yeah, they dropped very quick. Yeah. <laughs> they dropped down that <laughs> hole pretty quick. But... That doesn't say that, you know, if you're ranked number one, that it's it's a guarantee that you're going to be riding it out the whole way. Because only one team has ever started number one and actually won a national championship. And that was that 2017 Alabama team. That's so just because you're ranked number one and right now you got Georgia at number one. I mean, it's, it's just because you're ranked number one right now doesn't mean it's going to end that way. So it's still something really close to watch. That's why after everything was said and done, I did all these rankings. I actually generated my own top 25 for myself. And I do have Georgia being knocked off number one, bumping down, down, down to number two. Being edged up by Michigan. I think Michigan's 
resume if they were to go 12 and 0 against georgia's 12 and 0 is vastly better especially with all the big 10 games that they have following up georgia's texas at 12 and 0 usc at 12 and 0 and then just rattling off pretty quick ohio state got ohio state at five florida state six lsu oregon clemson iowa michigan oklahoma then alabama all the way down there at 10 and 2 but they're still in there because it's still an sec alabama team North Carolina, 10 and 2, UCLA, North Carolina State squeaking in there. I was actually more shocked that I still had them going 10 and 2. I had to relook at their schedule a couple times to make sure that I wasn't going crazy. And I still have them at 10 and 2. UTSA, one of those teams that I think are going to sneak up on a lot of people. I think that's going to be this year's Tulane. Now that they're actually playing in Tulane's conference, I think they're going to edge out and take that. Followed by Tennessee, UTEP, Coastal Carolina, another one of those teams that you don't really hear a lot of. Louisiana, Washington, Pittsburgh, Tulane, and rounding out the top 25, Penn State at 9-3. and three. Like I said, I think there's still a couple other 9-3 and three teams you could probably put ahead of Penn State, but I think that resume with the Big Ten alone is going to help them stay in the top 25 going into next season. That top four there is just like a beloved, like I can just imagine the NCAA all the TV sponsors just slobbering at that top four. Oh, absolutely. And what's what's even more crazy is that if you were to take this top 25 going into next year, because if you don't remember next year, we're going from four teams to 12 teams. And for those who actually don't know a lot about that, a couple things to really know going into next year, of course, we'll probably recap this at some point later down the line, but semifinal matchups I found will be played on weeknights. With the, the expectations are going to be on Thursday and Friday, so they don't go against the NFL wild card games. Oh, but talk about sense. a week's worth of football! Right. You got them playing on Thursday and Friday, and then you got the wild card games right after that. I'm going to be the laziest piece of shit for like four days, <laughs> just and, doing nothing, and in the middle of holiday season too. Oh my god, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, because you know the first round games of the expanded college football playoff; those will be featured on. I think the dates that I saw was like the 20th and the 21st. So yeah, right there, smack dab in the holiday season. But a couple kind of detailed things to talk about with the, the upcoming college football playoff expansion. Of course, the 12 teams will be consist, consisted of the six conference champions, ranked highest to lowest, of course, and then plus six highest ranked teams not included amongst the six highest ranked conference champions. So a lot of these six teams out, so like a uh, the run up for the Big Ten and the Big 12 and the SEC and the, a lot of these teams. So if it, if it, was this, if it were going to go into this year with the 12, it would be Michigan, Georgia, Texas, USC, Ohio State, Florida State, LSU, Oregon, Clemson, Iowa, Wisconsin, and Oklahoma. So everybody but Alabama. But I think if the, the, if the college football playoff committee is in charge of selecting who's going in and who's going out, if Alabama is one of those fringe teams, someone's getting bumped. And they're throwing Alabama in there. But I am so excited for that because that's just the way the direction that this college football world's going. You know, there's not really that much bowl game relevance anymore. You saw that a lot last year. A lot of these kids sitting because they're not risking their draft stock of getting hurt for a game that doesn't really mean anything. But, I mean, expanding it to 12 and potentially even more down the line, I think that's really the only way to make bowl games even relevant anymore. I mean, hell, there was two Cheez-It Bowls last year. Could a 3-2-3 get a, get a bowl game if they're getting two? 
I'm saying there were some like there was the, uh, the I think Barstool had a bowl for a while. Barstool had one. Yep. Yeah, I think I think last year we were actually looking at all the bowl games and actually the Sarsaparilla Bowl that was like in, in California, the Gasparilla Bowl. That's what it was. Kind of recapping last year's bowl game matchups. We had number one Georgia over number four Ohio State in the Peach Bowl, forty-two to forty-one. That was, to me, in my opinion, that was the championship game. That game was amazing from start to finish. And then you followed it up with number three TCU over number two Michigan and a shock in the Fiesta Bowl, fifty-one to forty-five. After that game, you saw that TCU put up fifty-one points on Michigan, and they were going to be playing Georgia in the championship game. It gave me a little bit of hope that they would actually be able to put up some points on the board. And boy, was I wrong. Because they got crushed with a capital C. Crushed 65-7. to seven. I've never been more sad watching a football game than the I don't think I watched the second half. I think I just watched up to the first half. I was like, fuck this. I'm not watching this anymore. That's why that Georgia-Ohio State game, that was, in my opinion, one of, the, one of, if not the best game of the year last year. But it leads me to the kind of the final part of this conversation is... After all this is said and done, all the conferences are 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 done, the top 25s all locked in. What are these bowl games going to be looking like? So really the cotton I got the Cotton Bowl with Oklahoma and Iowa. Got Oklahoma going over them. The Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, Clemson facing off against Wisconsin. Wisconsin is one of those Big 10 teams that I feel that I would not be shocked if they actually squeaked out of that championship this year. It's a very very scary team. Don't sleep on them. Then you got the the Fiesta Bowl, LSU and Oregon. Talk about a party! You got bat, you got you got you got everyone down in Louisiana. You got all the crazy psychopaths out in Oregon playing each other. I couldn't think of two crazier party schools going against each other than the Fiesta Bowl. But I'm giving it to Oregon. And then rounding out a lot of these kind of not so the the non what's the word I want to look for the non championship bowl games the the Orange Bowl. Florida State versus Ohio State. And I got Florida State. Of course, I can't pick Ohio State to win. Got to go Florida State to win that. Going to go out with the season with a bang. And then, of course, you got the Rose Bowl, the first matchup going, winner going to the championship game. You got Michigan and USC. Talk about just stars aligning perfectly because traditionally the Rose Bowl is always played against the winner of the Big Ten and the winner of the Pac-12, which I have that matchup right here. But I can't, I can't bet against Harbaugh and that Michigan team right now. That's too much firepower. And I think if they were to end that season 12-0, they're riding high into that game. Of course, it's more of a, an away game. USC would be playing at home in the Rose Bowl. But still get that edge to Michigan, being that first team into that championship game. And then the All-State Sugar Bowl, I have Georgia going up against Texas. And it's hard to bet against Georgia. You know, two-time national champions or just reload season after season honestly i'm gonna have them up there until they prove me wrong at this point i can't bet against them so that gives it the matchup for the 2024 championship game in houston michigan versus georgia but this is where that knockoff with georgia happens i think michigan is just way too strong i think they have a lot of good things great things going for that program so i'm predicting michigan the 2024 national champion Jim Harbaugh needs this, right? Like he needs this this year because that 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 yes. was it got to a scary time with him last year getting beat by TCU. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was 
that left a lot of bad tastes in the Michigan faithful's mouths. I think he needs that. I think if he were to even go to the championship game, I think that would help kind of right the ship a little bit, but still, I think that would, he needs that more than Kirby smarts needs Kirby smart needs it at this point. But folks, that's it. Nothing really crazy to note. You know, just, it's the best time of year. It's college football's in full swing. Just to remind everybody again, game of the week this week is LSU versus Florida State in Orlando. 7.30? 7.30 on Sunday? So, Reed, you know where you're going to find me if you need to get a hold of me. But I can tell you one thing, one game that I'm not going to watch is that the Miami Bowl. Did you see the quarterback from Miami, Ohio coming out Ooh. and saying the exact same thing that I said? <laughs> that if they win, then Miami has to change the name. You know what? Now it has to happen. No, it just has to happen. Who is Miami's quarterback this year? There's no way it's Tyler Van Dyke, is it? Which Miami? Or who the fuck was it? Oh, uni- uh, the U, I guess. Oh, Convict U? Yeah, Convict U. I'm pretty sure it's Van Dyke. That's crazy. I mean, I'd be surprised if it wasn't. Didn't he get uh, benched last year? He did for a while. You know what? Let's let's take a gander. Yeah, yeah it, it has to be Tyler Van Dyke. Miami I really don't see anybody else going the, against it. According to the Miami Hurricane, they will uh, see the return of starting quarterback Tyler Van Dyke, rising sophomore Ja'Curry Brown, and freshman Emery Williams. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard, because it's uh, hard not to have it be him, because, I mean, he's... 2,900 yards, 25 touchdowns, six picks. I mean, it, it, it. And of course, Miami's now on their third OC and third defensive coordinator with all the, the, the turmoil going down in South Beach. I mean, it's just, I don't know what Mario Cristobal's doing down there, but I don't care. Fuck him. He's doing Mario Cristobal stuff. It's kind of what he did in Oregon. It's not very flashy, it's kind of boring, and. Uh... You know, that's not working. I mean, you can get... I feel like you can recruit people, especially with NIL, easily to Miami, but not when you're going to have the competition of, you know, FSU, Florida, like everybody else is doling out this money, too. And from what I saw, allegedly, the University of Miami's president or whatever has been catching some uh, Bitcoin kind of fraud charges. I don't know. Yeah, the uh, the Miami booster John Ruiz, uh, the NIL deals are starting to starting to not be good because there's federal prosecutors involved with him. With like, I think I think he owns like Life Wallet. Yeah, but yeah, a yeah. lot of a lot of sh- a lot of shady things going on in Miami. But that's such. What? Who was it? Was it Desmond Howard? They were talking about this, and he was like. It's just so Miami. This just makes perfect sense. It's Miami. (laughs) But folks, again, that is it for today's installment of College Shame Day. Thank you for joining us. Reed, thank you for joining me. This has been great. Of course. It's been fun to be here. I I love seeing this in person, and it's just, I don't know. I feel so much more educated. I actually understand what I'm looking at now, so I'm, I'm excited to keep getting this education going forward. Well, you know what? That's what... If if I can if we can get off this and I taught you at least one thing, I I feel like it's a, it was a success a successful show at this point. So can you explain to me why Navy keeps going? I I actually did watch a week zero game of Notre Dame <laughs> versus Navy at two thirty p.m. on a Saturday. 
Oh and, no, you poor soul. Well, first off, it feels like a crime against America to beat up a military team the way that Notre Dame did to Navy. I don't think that you can put 42 points on them without looking, you know, really badly. Right. But Navy's also continuing to do that very old college thing of like we're gonna get 11 yards on four plays and right. just kill you like that and score three points for the whole game. <laughs> Well, see, what blows my mind now that we're talking about Navy really quick, um, what blows my mind, you have Navy, Navy, you have Navy, Army, Air Force, you have these who actually have really decent football programs, but you'd think that you have these men and women who are fighting for this country, putting their bodies on the line, you would think that they would be able to compete because you look at college football back in the day, the best athletes were always in these armed force colleges. So it's like, why aren't they doing more? I mean, they're trained to kill people. You can't show up on the gridiron for 60 minutes and put up more than three points? Shame on you, Navy. I bet if it was water polo, they'd beat them. <laughs> oh, I liked it. <laughs> Man, still can't get a joke to land, but we'll, we're going to keep going. But again, folks, thank you so much for tuning in. College Shame Day. Find us on the 323 Network. Until then, see you later.